The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. Very good to be uh, with you this morning on this uh, last day before the spring break. And uh, just want to reassure you, as has already been said, we're praying for you today and we'll be praying for you all week. A uh, number of students traveling and lots going on this week and uh, you'll be uh, in our prayers. We also want to welcome those that are here visiting today for the Experience Karen Day. We're really glad that you are here. Trust that you will get a, an opportunity to meet us up close and personal, both in and out of the classroom, and get a sense of what it's like for students uh, on that day before spring break <laughs> and uh, all that goes with that. I'm uh, pleased to be able to be uh, with you this morning to continue this uh, semester series uh, that we've been looking at, uh, sort of uh, using the book of Proverbs to think about this issue of the wisdom of an intentional life. Uh, if you uh, think through what we've already discussed this semester and today's uh, passage uh, comes from Proverbs chapter 22 and, and we'll be looking at the passage in Luke that Dean Swift read for us as well. I want to continue this idea that, that uh, life is to be lived intentionally and that there is great wisdom in living life intentionally. That we not find ourselves uh, doing one of two things uh, in the way we live our lives, our Christian lives, our life in this world, our, our life with regard to relationships, our work, even the fulfillment of your life and calling as students. And that is that we not fall victim to the idea that we're just kind of plodding in a direction, not thinking about what we're doing, just what my wife and I refer to as plodding through life, just plodding through life without any sense of direction or purpose. And the other danger, which is we're not paying attention even to that, we're simply drifting. Wherever the currents take us, wherever circumstances move us, wherever our emotions lead us, we're not responsible for any of it, we're just adrift. Both of those are terrible mistakes. And the book of Proverbs is very clear in what, what, what Solomon and others are attempting to impart to their children and their students is that you should live life with both eyes open. Think about what you're doing. Consider the consequences of your decision. Fear the Lord, desire wisdom, be careful about the ways in which the world around you will influence your understanding and your judgments, your ways of evaluating things, your, your, your standards of success and achievement. Be very careful. And the beautiful thing about the Bible is it doesn't skirt the issues of, of our own struggles as sinful human beings. Solomon is imparting to his, to his children this wisdom, the way to keep your life moving in the right direction, and his own life unravels. Because it is work to stay focused on the things that should be focused upon, to live life intentionally. We talk about it a lot at Cairn, the sort of integrated and intentional life, that there's no part of your life that the scripture and your faith shouldn't be shouldn't be guiding what is going on, your, your, the way that you're living, the choices that you're making, your, your thinking, your attitudes, your posture, your disposition towards others. You are to live a fully integrated life. In fact, I have a good friend who uh, often when we'll talk about some sort of uh, tragic falling of, of a Christian leader, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the issue. We wanna talk about integrity and the issue is that this person always reminds us he may not have been as integrated a person as we think. That is, integrity 
integrity is that something holds together, like the integrity of a ship. And that's really what this is after. The integrated life means that your life holds together, that you're living it with purpose and intentionally. You're not just winging it through life. So that idea of living an integrated and intentional life, in my view, is, is absolutely biblical and what we are called to do. And so I've tried to get us to think about that a little bit this semester. And today I want to focus on one particular aspect of an intentional life. But the other part of it is that we tend, both in plodding and in drifting, it's easy for us to think, well, where I am in life, certain things just don't matter as much. Years ago, we used to talk about it here that I, I would often warn students to stop thinking about college as a parenthesis. The things that happen between the brackets, between childhood and adulthood. It is not a parenthesis. This is life. And the things that you do here will shape you for the rest of your life. The choices you make, the ways in which you carry yourself and conduct yourself, the opportunities that you, that you take advantage of, the, the, the dangers and temptations that you avoid, they are absolutely integral. This is not a parenthesis. This is life. And it is to be lived well and Christianly, even during your time as students. In fact, probably more so because that, that old saying, you practice like you play, you have been given an opportunity to be in an intentional Christian community where the scripture are at the center of what you're doing, where there are opportunities for you to, to encourage one another and to minister to others, to, to serve and to learn together, to pray together and be prayed for. You've been given a tremendous opportunity and it should not be wasted. The goal here is for you to become stronger in your faith, stronger in your resolve, and stronger with regard to resilience in facing what life brings to all of us. And so I want to call your attention to one particular verse in Proverbs, and then we're going to look at a couple of New Testament passages as well. In chapter 22 of Proverbs, we read this very simple proverb. And I think I've said this before, but I would encourage some of you have actually taken up the practice since beginning this series this semester. I've shared with you many times for uh, now what is almost 40 years, almost every day I've read almost a full chapter of Proverbs. I can't say that I've done it perfectly all that time, but it is something I read from every day. I try to, I try to digest at least a full chapter of the book of Proverbs. And there's so many gems in here and, and the more you read it, the more you see patterns of things and consistent things and repetition, all that matters. But in chapter 22, there's a verse that has always stuck out to me. It was a big part of my development as a young Christian. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Uh, I was not to the manner born. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. My parents were not people of prestige or position. I'm a first-generation college student who went off to work at a Christian camp and had a spiritual awakening and an opportunity to be discipled. And this idea that everything that I was doing was building a good name or a poor name was impressed upon me. And it's the message of Proverbs. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. 
and favor is better than silver or gold. Don't seek the temporal things, the things that last in a practical way. Remember, we've talked about this before. The book of Proverbs is giving uh, this issue of wisdom, which is to skillfully navigate this world. And sometimes what we do is we forget that the way in which we conduct ourselves, the things that we say and how we say them, the speech that we choose to use in a given situation, our reactions to things, our exhibition of self-control, or our blatant disregard for the importance of it, all those things are building your name, your reputation. They matter a great deal. So if you're simply plodding through life or you're simply adrift, letting your circumstances and your emotions drive you wherever you want, let me encourage you. This proverb is saying to you, a good reputation and a good name is better than riches and favor better than silver and gold. You should care about it. What does that mean? Well, in a practical sense, because the Proverbs is a very practical book, Everything you're doing, someone else is seeing. And they're forming evaluations and judgment of you. Now, sometimes that works against us and sometimes that's not fair. But ask yourself this. Do you want to carry the name, the reputation of being slothful? Remember, we talked about sloth and sluggardliness, right? Do you want that? Does anybody, anybody ever set out and say, you know what I'd like to be is the best sluggard there is, right? I mean, if you're making that choice, it's probably not a good one. It won't serve you well. I guarantee that if the, if the name you want to hang around your neck is one that is recognized from a distance that says sluggard, you're going to struggle in this world. Right? You're going to struggle in this world. And what Solomon is, what the, what the writer of, of, of this proverb is saying is you have a choice in that, right? Don't, you don't want that name. You don't want that label. And no one really sets out to do that. No one says, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be known for being the most slothful person around. And yet what we're doing sometimes is making decisions, not just that we're engaged in being slothful, we're not working hard, and the impact on us. It's actually the reputation that we're building. It's actually the, the, the way that we become known. Rather, think about this. The, if, if the idea of favor being better than gold or silver is this. I can't give you certain things as the president of the university. But when someone says, do you know so-and-so, and my first reaction is honest, hardworking, spiritually sound, does everything they do to the best of their ability. You want that. Right? That's what you want. You want that from everybody possible in your life. Because what you're doing then is building this reputation. So honestly, folks, from a very practical standpoint, it does not go well with you if you are disregarding that you are in the process of building a name. You do not want to build for yourself the name of disrespect. You don't want to be a disrespectful person. You don't want to build for yourself the name of being a person who is unfair and unjust towards others. Harsh, cruel, mean-spirited untrustworthy. Those are not the things you want to be building. Rather, what you want to do is build a reputation in the right way for the right reasons, but you have to recognize that you are doing it whether you realize it or not. I have never been asked in all the, and I, and I offer references for students all the time, I have never been asked by any potential employer, anybody looking to move one of you into a ministry, anybody looking to sort of bring you in for an interview. I've never been asked by anyone 
ever in almost 30 years in this work about your GPA. But I am asked always about your work ethic and your attitude. They matter a great deal. And it also matters that you don't pick and choose one area of your life where you choose to be respectful and diligent and disregard others' areas of your life because that's not being an integrated person. It's very clear and, and easy to understand that you might be better at something than you, one thing than you are another. You might even be more interested in one thing or another. I know this is the case. Some of you have classes that you can't wait to get there and other classes that you're hoping the building falls into a hole before the hour comes, right? <laughs> That's just the natural way it goes. You have some reading material that you can't put down and other reading material that you're hoping they don't ask you if you've read it. I know that. All of us know that. There's not a faculty member here at the university that thinks all the students have the same attitude towards all the subject matter that we think that, you, that, that those of you who like the arts actually like athletics equally, or vice versa. We're all different, we have different preferences and predispositions, different things we're interested in, different levels of ability. Some of you, for some of you, school comes very easily. For others of you, school is, is a chore. Every minute takes everything that you have. The only thing that matters is the attitude and posture with which you carry out that. You can't, in some, you can't actually change your God-given abilities. What you can do is, is change your attitude, effort, outlook, approach. That's it. Some of you walk into a standardized test and you're racing the clock and it's the greatest thing you have. You're just, it's the biggest chance. I love these tests. I love, give me 200 multiple choice questions and I'll try to get it done in three minutes. And some of you are there for two and a half hours and lost five pounds, right? <laughs> We recognize that. The question is though, when you start actually allowing those preferences and dispositions and, and those kinds of leanings to actually shape your attitude where you start to actually be disrespectful or indolent or, or, or lazy or slothful or, or in some ways ha develop an attitude that's hurtful towards others, that's actually when you've crossed the line and now you're building a reputation for yourself. Trust me, you don't want it. It will not serve you well as you try to move through this world. If you develop a reputation for being dis disrespectful and indifferent towards the feelings of others, where you have trouble being honest with other human beings, every relationship in your world will have a problem. Your marriage, your parenting, your work relationships, you are in the process of building a pattern of thinking, feeling, and behaving that is actually establishing for you your name, what you will be known for and how you will be known. And it's one thing to say there's practical wisdom in choosing well to build for yourself a reputation that will serve you well, but it's also true that we are Christians. We don't do this just because it will advance our cause or earn us more money or help us stay employed. Trust me, it will hurt you if you build a bad reputation in every one of those areas. But as Christians who follow Jesus Christ and hold 
to the authority of Scripture and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, there's something more significant and substantive going on. It isn't building a reputation so that you will achieve more and get more. It's actually building a reputation in the right way and for the right reason because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And I have people, when we talk about this, sometimes they'll say, yeah, but as a Christian, we shouldn't be caught up in that. We're not to be man-pleasers. We're to be God-pleasers. And I think you're absolutely right when you're talking about your salvation and your values. You should be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. But if you're not careful, you will fail to follow the teaching and example of Jesus Christ that is outlined for us in the passage that Dean Swift read. The Lord Jesus, his family is in Jerusalem. He's away from his parents and they come and they find him as was read and they're asking, why have you done this to us and, and, and embarrassed us? We've been looking everywhere for you. And after three days, they found him in the temple. Now, just for a minute, right, you know, when your boy's gone for three days, that's pretty serious. Now, he's the son of God. Hopefully, they were keeping that in check. But, you know, the, the idea is that he's been missing for three days. They find him in the temple, and they confront him, and he says, didn't you know this is where I'd be? Of course, this is where I'd be. And it says his parents saw him, and they were astonished. And his mother said, why have you treated us so? And behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said, why were you looking for me? Of course, this is where I'd be. I must be in my father's house. And they didn't know what he was saying. And then it says this, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Jesus' life between his, his miraculous incarnation and virgin birth and the, and the beginning of his ministry in his 30s that ultimately led to his death, burial, and resurrection, that period of time in between is no parentheses. It's no parentheses. He's the son of a mother and father, and the scripture says he was submissive. He's about his father's business. In fact, everyone was marveling at the fact that he was listening and asking questions in the temple. His father was a tradesman, and there's no doubt that Jesus had to work learned the trade of his father, even though he had come to do his heavenly father's bidding. But it's this verse that stands out to us. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He got wiser and he grew physically and he grew in his position in the community and in favor with God and man. So if you're thinking for one minute that any concern about the reputation that you're building is venturing down the path of being a man pleaser, not a God pleaser, remember the scripture says this about Jesus, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He is becoming an adult. He is growing. He is growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor. In other words, he is not showing himself to be disrespectful or dismissive. He is in no way doing things that would damage his reputation or the reputation of his mother and father, Mary and Joseph, and certainly not his heavenly father. To be concerned about the name we are building is to follow after the example of Jesus Christ. It matters a great deal. And so we don't do it just because it serves us well in an economic sense, in a social sense, in a relational sense, in an employment sense. We do it because it's the good thing to do. And it is consistent with the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose life between the incarnation and the resurrection is not a parenthesis. He is living his life and he is growing in favor with God 
and man. So one thing I'd like to challenge you to do is to actually think about this idea that a good name is better than riches and a good reputation and favor is better than silver and gold and in following after the Lord Jesus Christ is this. It will not happen if you do not want it. You actually have to take some time to do some soul searching to say, I actually want to be moved. I want to move into maturity. I want to be known as a sound person who works hard and does their best, who treats all people with respect, who exercises self-control. If you don't want to do those things, it will not happen because you'll be plodding or drifting. To get there, you must be intentional about it. You must realize that the way that you carry yourself matters a great deal. When I was a student here, it's the same as your being a student here. Not every class and every teacher was as dynamic as the next. I had those classes where it was work, not to pass the exam, but to pay attention. Right? But to be perfectly honest, I and many of my fellow students would have never, despite our disinterest, despite our, our fatigue, to despite, despite our, our levels of enthusiasm for a particular subject matter, would have been mortified to have a faculty member say that that person is disrespectful, dismissive. We just wouldn't let it happen. Why? If you don't want that to happen, it's because you want something more from yourself. Everything in the world around us says, hey, if you don't feel like doing it, it doesn't matter. If your emotional reaction to something is negative, let it be known. That's not our way. And you are not doing the work of building a good name. There's another passage of scripture that comes to mind uh, that sort of bears this out. It's in it's in, uh, uh, it, it's Paul talking to Timothy, right? And um, let me find it here. Paul says to Timothy in, uh, in 1 Timothy 4 and chapter 12, Paul says to Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I came across that verse when I was uh, uh, a young, young, much younger man working at a, in, in a camping ministry uh, in a leadership position that I probably shouldn't have been in in my age, at my age. And so when someone shared this verse with me, I tucked it in my, in my pocket like a card to pull out whenever anyone was disrespecting me as a young leader to say, hey, you can't despise me because of my youth, right? Look, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone despise you. So if you think I'm going to let you despise me and criticize me because of my youth. And that is a young man's mistake. Because what Paul was actually saying to Timothy is this. Don't, let, don't give anyone the opportunity to criticize the quality of your work and to blame it on your age. Don't give anyone a reason to criticize your attitude, your actions, and the quality of your work. Don't give them a reason to blame it on your age. You are young it doesn't mean you can't set an example. And don't let anyone say, well, what do you expect? He's only 18. What do you expect? He's only 32. What do you expect? He's only 40. 
Paul says to Timothy, look, you've got serious work to do in service of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not give anyone a reason to blame the quality of your work or your attitude on your age. I imagine that that was an extremely penetrating instruction for Timothy. That he was actually saying, look, this is part of what's happened. The temptation is to say, you don't get to criticize me just because of my age. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is build a name for yourself and set an example. There is no age that is too young to be doing that. This is not a parenthesis. 18 to 22, 24, 27, some of you are on the eight-year plan. Whatever it takes, right? This is not a parenthesis. You are in the process of building the rest of your life. Now the good news is whatever happened prior to today, I don't really care about. But now this is in your minds. A good name is better than riches and favor better than gold or silver. The Lord Jesus himself grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And the apostle Paul told his young charge, don't let age be an excuse for sloppiness, bad attitudes, and bad character. Now you know from here on, what will you build? Will you do it intentionally? Or are you content to plod and to drift? We bear the marks of the Savior that we were singing about just a few minutes ago. We are his servants. We are to follow his teaching and example, and it should be borne out in the way that we think and the way that we act, the way that we use our time, the decisions that we make, the attitudes that we, and the, and the respect and deference we show to one another. They should not simply know we're Christians because we close our eyes when we sing. They should not simply know we are Christians because we carry a Bible or go to a college that requires one third of your time be spent studying the Bible. They should know we are Christians because we think and act and live differently. According to the word, according to the teaching and example of Jesus, under the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace and for his glory. If you want that, it's right there for you. And if you don't, ask yourself, why not? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do indeed thank you for your goodness and grace to us. We thank you for the way you provide for us all that we need according to your good and perfect will. I thank you for these students, for each of their varying levels of ability and interest, background and experiences, for the trials that you have brought them through, for the grace you have shown to them, for the way in which your spirit has been at work in them to draw them to yourself, to bring them to faith in Christ and to set them upon this path. And we pray, Father, that uh, you would use all the events of our life and our work together and individually to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Give us the wisdom to live life intentionally, with purpose and for a purpose. Give us what is required to desire the good things, the right things, the best things in this life. And give us the inclination to want those things and to move in that direction because it is pleasing to you and it is following after the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for the day that is in front of us, we pray that we might be granted moments to reflect upon your word and this teaching, that in the week to come, you might keep us safe, that you might uh, give us uh, grace and strength to get work done if we need to, to recover from the weeks that have passed. But Father, I do pray that in the midst of all the things that happen in spring break, 
that you might cause us to reflect upon our desire to seek maturity, to seek right thinking and right living, to manifest those things in our lives that are pleasing to you, to, to, to pray that you would be at work in us, to submit ourselves to you as our Lord Jesus Christ submitted himself to his parents. And we pray all these things in his strong name. Amen. Have a great week. Thank <clears throat> you.